Maybe I am being a jerk of a boss. I call it being a recovering a-hole of a boss. I self-admit it. And I put it out there to everybody that I talk to in my business because it makes me it makes me human, you know, versus being the CEO. Hey man, this the this a, this guy's admitting that he's a recovering a-hole of a boss. Yes. So it puts me in my place. It reminds me that, but you know, we don't put up with jerks in our company. We want employees to be happy with who they're working with, who they're being led by. And I think company culture, since I focused on it, number one reason why we've grown and why we're successful and why the gym owners enjoy having us in their gym is that we have good people. We don't have jerks, you know, making making their customers mad or getting into scuffles with their own employees. So that's been very important. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. My guest today is Adam Arnett. Adam is the founder of Element Personal Training. This is a personal training outsourcing company that provides gym owners with recruitment services and professional trainers. Adam founded the company back in 2013 by borrowing money from his brother and relocating. This turned out to be a great move, given the fact that EPT is now in seven states and over 70 locations. Adam says he attributes his success to core values and principles, one of them being a healthy company culture. Adam believes your employees are a reflection of you. In this episode, we chat about why you should stop chasing paychecks and start focusing on your future, what it's like running a personnel business, and what are the challenges of this business model, the benefits of outsourcing certain aspects of your business to an external provider, and last but not least, how to become a good leader that people want to follow. This is another great entrepreneur sharing his journey. I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Let's get started. Hey, Adam, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Looking forward to be a part of your show. Yeah, so excited to have you. Hey, can we start with a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now? Yeah, so I am the owner and founder of a company called Element Personal Training. And uh, what we do is uh, we specialize in personal training for gym owners. And so if you're a gym owner, uh, usually the hardest, most difficult, or the biggest headache and stress is going to be managing the personal training department because uh, you have a lot of trainers, you got a lot of egos, uh, you got a lot of you know, customers, internal issues, and uh, so forth. And so gym owners are usually pretty good about getting members into the gym, uh, but not so great about maximizing the uh, revenue off the members once they're in the gym with personal training. So uh, for example, if you're the gym owner, what we do then is we say, hey, we want to contract with you, be the exclusive provider of personal training for your members in your gym, and we'll staff it with a personal training manager that will market and sell the training and manage the team. We'll hire the certified trainers. They work for our company, and they'll go ahead and follow our program and, and apply great customer service and take care of the customers that way. And at the end of the month, we'll give you a, a guaranteed rent check or a percentage of the revenue, whichever one uh, is in your favor that month. So we're basically a personal training outsourcing company. Hmm. And that's what we've been doing. I've done that since 2013. 
Yeah, that's a fascinating model. I definitely have questions for you about that. Before I go there, I'd love to just like the journey that got you to where you're at today. I know you started out with you got a loan when you first were even thinking about starting a business. My first question is, what even made you want to start a business? I always love these stories of like, why? Uh, my father, you know, he's had a couple of businesses when I was growing up as a kid, you know, some successful, some not. Uh, he became a successful real estate uh, broker and so forth. And then uh, eventually turned out into becoming a farmer. So I know a lot of hard work. You know, saw him do his journey. He was never afraid to take chances and uh, do do what's best for his family uh, as a business owner or as an employee somewhere. So that was good. That was a good example. And then my brother, my older brother, is four years older than me, and he was always just entrepreneurial, making money even at school. So he dropped out of school when he was seventeen, almost eighteen years old. And became a uh, real, you know, a millionaire off of real estate by the time he was 21, and so I was seeing that happen, and I'm like, man, I got to do something. Uh, so I've always had a job, and I've just always been competitive and independent-minded, and always had that mindset of I want my own thing. And so before I started all my personal training, I probably had 20 or 25 different occupations from the time I was like 16 to the time that I was 34, and. A big one was I was a golf professional. I might look a little too big to be a golf pro now, <laughs> but back in my day, I was like 170, 180 pounds, and I was pretty good at golf, and I learned how to play golf real well and teach golf, and I became an apprentice in the PGA teaching program, and so I was always making money that way. So I thought, man, I'm, pretty, I'm doing pretty good. I'm making $30 every half-hour session. So it's kind of like giving training sessions like I do now, but it was just a one-man show. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for quite a few years and everybody thought that I was, I was crazy. But man, you get to play golf half the day, teach golf half the other half of the day. Like what's, what's there not to love about what you're doing? Right. But I think what it was is I come from team sports growing up, you know, baseball star, basketball star. And I think being part of a team was something I was longing for. So in uh, 2005, my first taste of fitness was with a, a company called LA Fitness, one of the largest health club companies in the world, if not you know, so for sure, America. And so I worked for them for a couple of years and I quit the golf business because of it. Cause I'm like, man, these guys are making, there's a lot of money to be made in the membership management of it all. I didn't realize how much money fitness gyms and managers could make. And so I got my first taste of that and worked for them for a couple of years. The next step of my business, uh, my gym fitness was I left them after a couple of years and joined a company that does what I do now, which is outsourced personal training. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. You don't have any of the overhead. You just have personnel and you contract with gym owners. Maybe I can do that. And so instead of just rushing right into like, I'm going to go do this and try it on my own, I did the methodical thing of I'm going to work for these guys. I'm going to see how high I can get. Maybe it's better to go that route. Maybe I can earn an ownership position or with them or something. And I was just very good at what I did and became upper management quick, but just never got that equity stake. And so, uh, uh, my longing always was. So from 2005, 2013, I worked for other people. And then finally in 2013, I said, I'm done with this. I'm going to start my own company. And I got my first uh, first location and my first break, so to speak, to make that happen. Was that when you actually borrowed some money to do that? Yeah. So the story on that is, uh, I'm not embarrassed to say it, but as an <laughs> adult, I went broke probably three or four times. I was reckless with my money. I was a great right. salesperson. I was always able to, I spent it as fast as I made it every month because I'm like, I did it last month. I can make it again this month. And so just being young and, and dumb that way with uh, living a little faster lifestyle than I should have, I was just always chasing a paycheck and all that. I wasn't very much of an investor. I didn't really follow through on what my brother was talking about, which is invest in real estate and, and other assets. And 
just you know always chasing that next paycheck and the next opportunity with a with another business or a company that I was working for. And so when it came time to where I finally got, wow, I've got a, a health club that wants me to be their personal training company. This will be my first chance to do that. I had no money. I was back at home living with my parents at the age of 34 for a couple of months. I just called taking a break. Uh, yeah, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm checking on your parents, you know, yeah. but I was up there and I was like, what do I do? I was, I was kind of at that point of where do I go? And then finally I got that break during that month or two of making a phone call, talking to gym owners, finally got that first one to say yes to me and I needed money. So I went to my brother, hat in hand and said, Hey bro, I need some money to get this started. And he's, he took a chance on me. He's like, all right. Uh, cause I borrowed money in the past from him for businesses, paid him back. So everything was good. And he's like, how much do you need? I said, I just need $2,500. I need to buy a laptop. I need to be able to go 2,000 miles south and get into an apartment. And the rest is, I'll take care of the rest. And so that's how I started Element Personal Training. Moved from Wisconsin down to the most southern part of Texas called Harlingen, down there by uh, Corpus, uh, South Padre Island, Brownsville area. Yeah. Wow. What a good story. And is it 70 locations now that you're at? Yeah. So throughout the years, I've gone into and out of about 70 different locations. Right now, we're, uh, gosh, we're approaching 40 strong locations right now wow. uh, spread across five states. Okay. I want to talk about the business model a little bit because I'm fascinated by it. So you go to Joe Jim and Jim owner or Jane Jim owner, whoever happens to be, and you say, hey, we'll provide the recurring fitness training to your membership here. And in exchange for that, we're going to either offer you said guaranteed rent. Do you mean paying their rent or the fees that a portion of the fees, if they're higher than the rent? Is that is that the way the model yeah. works? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I was working for other companies in the beginning, kind of doing my research, yeah. uh, they had it set up as just a guaranteed base rent. And Got it, it. where it ran into trouble is that there was really no upside for the gym owner, you know, like, hey, can I make more than that? And then when they find out how much the personal training was actually making, they're like, wow, we got the short end of the stick. Right. And, you know, so it kind of caused some some friction among the gym owner, who I call gym partners, and the outsourcing company. And so I said, when I start my company, I'm going to do a win-win. I'm going to guarantee you a base rent. That's what you want. You do want to guarantee skin off my back, right? You want to make sure I have something at, at risk. But I want you to work with us to help promote the personal training, get people signed up for membership, put help, you know, just have a good symbiotic relationship, which I didn't see before in the other companies, and create a win-win. So if we do better then you make more than our base rent. So it's a, it's a good win-win that way. So it's a base rent or a revenue rent, whichever one earns them the most during the month. Got it. Yeah, that sounds like a, because then they're incented to continue to grow yep. the practice side of it with you because they're obviously have a stake in that. That's, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what's your biggest challenge? Is it is it around, because imagine you have to have this network of personal trainers. Is that your biggest challenge or what would you say is the challenge in this model? Absolutely. We are basically essentially a personnel business. Right. Because that's really my only overhead. I don't have the retail center that I'm paying rent to, like the gym owner. I don't have equipment payments. I don't even have to pay the utilities. I am just in there as a personnel, basically. So our business is personnel. So yeah, recruitment pre-COVID, it was easier to recruit. Post-COVID, very difficult recruitment market. Uh, I think a lot of people are accustomed to living on less than they had or uh, some sort of you know, benefits and so forth. But also, there's a lot more, as we open up the economy fully, a lot of competition out there that people have other options to earn a living. And so uh, personnel is definitely hiring them, finding them is the uh, is probably the just constant challenge for us. 
Yeah, I could imagine. Do you feel with, you know, you've got a lot of these online type offerings now, workout from home type tools. I've even got one in my back here. This is a tonal. So you have these various tools now. You have apps that people can actually connect with through a trainer. Is that, do you consider that competition or do you consider that actually creating more opportunity for your model? Well, think of it this way. Uh, it is competition, but think about this way. There's online dating sites, right? Yep. But if you never get the physical contact of dating, you know, it's not the same experience, right? It's like people Absolutely. can carry on an online dating thing. But, you know, what we all long for is that physical attention, that physical contact. So I think the advantage of still a personal trainer is that people still long to go in and be motivated by an individual, be held accountable to showing up. Uh, you have access to a lot more of the tonal. Great product. I think it's super innovative. But it's just, it has its limitations. Right. And also, there's just something about going to the gym and, like, you know, I think people still want to see, like, all right, how do I compare to everybody here? Right. Oh, hey, at least I'm not as bad as that person. You know, right. it's, it's like, right. <laughs> right. you know, so online training has definitely picked up, especially because of COVID. People are staying home. But I think uh, just the personal touch of a personal trainer in the flesh, nothing, nothing can beat it. Yeah, I love that answer. And I agree with you 100%. Like I'm, I'm kind of a technical person. So I love buying the toys and the fitness toys. But having said that, nothing beats actually being in the environment with others working out. I mean, they try to emulate it and I just don't think it works. Like it's not the same. When you're in that real environment and other people are lifting heavy or doing whatever they're doing, you know, hit or whatever it is, you, it raises the bar, at least for me, of what I want to try to do. Because I, to your point, like you don't want to, you know, you don't want to underperform when you're around a group. You want to kind of raise your bar and do what other people are doing. And it helps. It makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What do you find in terms of now coming out of COVID? Where do you see like your model? Do you feel like, is this a, for this outsourced personal fitness, I guess I'll call it, is it an explosive industry for you? Do you see the unlimited opportunity? Is it some of these big box places? Or do you try to get in with a big box type place or is it mostly individual gyms well yes yeah, so our main target is normally independent gym owners they have their own brand or franchise uh, gym owners that are part of a franchise system and their franchise system their corporate franchise allows them to outsource and do some management that way some of them are very restrictive on how they can run then you have the corporate gyms the la fitnesses 24-hour fitness some of the big chains right um, or the big corporate owned where they all they're all owned by the corporate and Here's the thing. They're not going to ever want know, anybody to know if they outsource. Right. So a lot of times I can't mention all of our customers because some of them, we can't, they don't want their customers or competitors to know that there's another company and they're actually doing the outsourcing. So it's kind of incognito. We wear their colors and all that sort of stuff. But the opportunity, or, or I guess uh, going back to your post-COVID strategy, right, is what you're kind of getting to is yeah, yeah. Uh, the opportunity. I think it's huge. We've come out of COVID actually stronger in a stronger position. One, just being smart finally financially as a, as a company leader. But coming out of it, think about the liability gym owners have now as far as payroll, as far as compensation, workers' comp, you know, anything that goes on. Now there's some talk whether it's going to be legal or constitutional or not. We don't know yet. But mandated vaccines, you know, uh, they don't want that on their payroll. They don't want to have that hassle. So a lot of them are looking like, how do I take this off my plate? The extra liability of, uh, of everything that goes with the personal training. So... There's a lot more that are open to it because part of our outsourcing is everything is outsourced to us. The trainers, they don't work for the gym owner. They work for my company. They get a payroll from my company. So 
my insurance covers those trainers, everything. So everything's under my roof. You know, we're just giving you guys a check as a gym owner. Yeah, that's really cool. I can see the power in that too, because I imagine maybe you already do this, but you could probably create your training where it has a, your training to your trainers, where there's a consistent process and feel of what they're giving to clients. Is is that part of your model and how you have this consistent way of how they approach it? Yeah. So, you know, I run a, I run it like a professional company should run. So we have uh, audits, we have, you know, monthly checklists of how we have to follow up and check on our trainers, make sure they're delivering a quality service. Uh, we check in on the sales process, make sure that it's consistent between gym to gym and manager to manager. Uh, we have sales training, we have workshops, we have daily education. It's been a big thing where everybody gets together before the start of the day for a Zoom to get on the right track and, and pump each other up and make sure that our processes are going to be followed. So, you know, it's very important quality control, customer service. You know, we're one of the only health club companies, let alone personal training companies out there that can uh, boast a, an A rate. Of, being rated A by the by the business uh, Better Business Bureau, so a focus on that stuff is very important on us. Especially, I think you'll probably touch on it later. But company culture—that's one of the biggest things that I've learned to to create is a company culture that's that's welcoming, uh, happy, makes employees feel more important, and uh, you know, make sure that everybody feels good about working for you. Yeah, I do want to go in that direction. Before I do, I have one last question on the model. So, recurring revenue is. One of the best things a business can have is just that residual of revenue that's guaranteed to come in. Is there anything you do in your model to help the gym owner make sure their clients are staying retained in terms of that fitness process? Like, do you do you do it by month? Do you do is it still the package way where like you have ten or twelve? Is there, is there anything in your arsenal that you use to kind of get that stickiness of recurring revenue? Yeah, so absolutely, that's the attraction of the gym business, right? Is that yeah. the recurring draft? tanning salons, this, you know, anytime you can get a recurring draft on a contract or something, then it's, a, it's one of the best ways to do business. Yes. And so, you know, so our personal training, the average person commits to us for about almost 12 months. So the way we present things, the way we solve people's problems with our personal training is we're focused on trying to get them to commit to the next 12 months to, Hey, just 12 months to commit to, to change the next 12 years of your life. It's kind of how we talk to them about it, right? The last 12 years of mistakes, Give us 12 months, we'll fix them, and we'll impact <laughs> the next 12 months. So it's like 12, 12, 12 kind of idea. And so by doing that, we get anywhere, or once we're in a gym, within about one year, we've got anywhere from 12 to 20% of the members of that club on some sort of uh, personal training program with us. That's huge for retention for the, for the gym owner because the more involved that members are in different activities uh, other than just showing up, they're more likely to retain and to refer friends to the gym. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. That's huge for retention for the for the gym owner because the more involved that members are in different activities uh, other than just showing up, they're more likely to retain and to refer friends to the gym. Very cool. Wow. That, yeah, that sounds like a good model. I do now want to shift over to culture and, and leadership. 
I know you have uh, something you say, a no-jerk policy, <laughs> and to some degree it's self-explanatory, but I'd love to just know your thoughts because in your world, I'm sure you do get some, you know, people that tend to be a little jerky. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so just going old school, I'm, I'm naturally a nice guy. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm happy you're lucky. I'm, I'm just I'm just happy I'm not a fight. I don't try to get into I'm just a naturally kind of very much like this. Nothing gets me too high, nothing gets me too low. And when I got into the fitness industry in 2005, it was money, money, money. I was very selfish. I still had a selfish idea, but the company itself valued money, numbers at all costs. So as in order for you to get higher and higher, you had to have the willingness to be able to burn and turn people, fire, you know, whatever. So it was just a high turnover, high pressure uh, as far as employees go. And so I think, you know, just like I tell people, I go, hey, when you go into a restaurant, don't blame the waiter for bad service. Blame the people that train the waiter and put, up, and put that waiter in there unprepared to do a good job, right? You're only as good as your coaching. You're only as good as the people that lead you by example. So for the first, you know, six, seven years of the fitness business, the people that I was being led by were jerks, were just very selfish. It's not, hey, look at everybody working for me. It's it should have been, hey, I'm working for all of you to make, you know, to get you guys better. And so as as you guys work for me and you're gonna do it as I say, otherwise you're gone. You're replaceable. So that was the mentality. It's an old school gym mentality, kind of right. you know, from the 70s and 80s and 90s. And I just go, that can't, I, this can't be sustainable. It's not good. And so finally, I think in 2013 when I started my company, I still kind of carry some of that over into it. Mm -hmm. And I was realizing some turnover that first year. And I'm like, I got to change. I looked at the, you know, looked in the mirror. I'm very, you know, started being self-reflective and like just self-aware that, you know what? Maybe I am being a jerk of a boss. I call it being a recovering a-hole of a boss. I self-admit <laughs> it. And I put it out there to everybody that I talk to in my business because it makes me, it makes me human, you know, yeah. versus being the CEO. Hey man, this is a, this is a, this guy's admitting that he's a recovering a-hole of a boss. Yes. So it puts me in my place. It reminds me that, but you know, we don't put up with jerks in our company. We want employees to be happy with who they're working with, who they're being led by. And I think company culture, since I focused on it, number one reason why we've grown and why we're successful and why the gym owners enjoy having us in their gym is that we have good people. We don't have jerks, you know, making, making their customers mad or getting into scuffles with their own employees. So that's been very important. So being self-aware eventually uh, and just realizing that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want to be as a leader. And that's the kind of company. It's not about me. It's about my employees. And by putting them first in a good company culture, it makes me money. It's a pretty simple yeah. fact. <laughs> yeah. That transformation that you and that self-awareness, you know, I was an a-hole too, so I can fall into that category. And I, it, it honestly though, I, I'll, as transparent as I can be, it wasn't like immediately apparent to me. I had to go through a lot of turnover. I had to go through people, frankly, hating me. You know, for me, it was like a very authoritarian style in terms of how I did things. It's like you did the job or you got fired type of mentality. Yep. And But it took me a while and I had a mentor set me, pull me aside and say, hey, dude, you know, it's not necessarily what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. And you need to really reflect on that. And I would, you know, I'm a hard head. I didn't listen at first, but I went home and I thought about it. And then it just clicked for me about how I really do generally care about people. And once that clicked, it's like my world changed because people, you know, now they want to, do better. They want to show up continuously and be great because you're 
playing that leadership role right. And I, it's cool that you were so self-reflective and you caught that. Does that play into your leadership style now? Like, how does that, what do you consider your leadership style like? Uh, fair, but firm. Okay. I think that'd be uh, one. I think also, you know, it's not my saying, I've taken it from others, but curious and caring. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's always been very, it's, it's, it's a very popular phrase nowadays, but I think just trying to be generally curious about who's working with me, right? Yeah. Again, working with me. They don't work for me. They have a right. choice. And I want them feeling like they work with me because that's what they really do. And I think a perspective I try to give any of my managers as they rise up and, and get promotions, I, I remind them when they get promoted, I go, hey, it's not that they work for you now. Okay. You were just managing one or two people. Now you're managing, you've got a team of six or seven clubs or whatever that you're trying to do. They don't work for you. They don't make your life easier. They don't work to make you money. You are now responsible for them and you need to pour even more effort back into them. And so when that perspective clicked in my head and I, and I relay that to my employees now as they move up the company ladder, it makes a, makes a world of difference that when you hire a trainer, they're either coming from, they're leaving another secure job or they're putting their hopes in having, getting off unemployment because of you, whatever their situation, they're choosing to work for you. And we painted a picture of success of this, how much you can make. And here's this, now it's on you to help make them make that happen. And so by doing that, we have a lot less turnover. So for example, the industry average is if you hire 10 trainers on January 1st, only two of them will be there at the end of the year. So 80% turnover. We've cut that down to where we have a 40% on average turnover throughout the year. So we hire 10 trainers, we've got six of them there at the end of the year. So it's a big deal. And I think it just has a, a, a change of focus on how we manage and what's important to us. I don't mind a little less bottom line in my pocket if it means that we have less turnover. Turnover, as you know, costs a lot of money. Bringing hiring, training, and all that, it's a lot of money. And in my industry, it's what is, is even more costly, reputation. You know, so, yeah. I love your tweak on how, you know, you made a comment about the leadership above you at one point was, you know, had that whole a-hole mentality and, and that's kind of what you were feeding into. And now you're turning the whole narrative around and you're teaching your future leaders in your company to think of how they can help their team develop and grow. And so it's funny how good leadership breeds more good leadership and conversely, bad leadership can breeds more bad leadership. Precisely. Yeah, so that's really cool. A couple things. So what do you see, you know, in terms of your branding and your messaging what are some things you can share with us in regards to that, of how you're developing that and how you've developed it? Anything, any takeaways from that? Yeah. So uh, I put a focus on trying to just build some social media presence just for me. So I don't have personal training. People don't really know. It's like, if we call a gym owner, it's still like, who are you? What do you guys do? Right. You know, so, so what I'm trying to do is, is take that where I become, you know, I'm Adam, Adam Arnett Fitness. You can find me on Instagram at that tagline. And I put a lot, you know, try to put a video to just how I do business, how I'm thinking. You know, I put a little uh, admission of, hey, I'm recovering a whole boss video on there uh, last <laughs> week. I got a lot of views and, and, and entertainment. So it's just me just trying to get that name of I, I need to become the authority on personal training, company culture inside gyms, right? How to run a gym properly in this. So that's what I'm trying to do by doing a lot more social media presence for myself through the main ones. You got LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, you got your Instagram those are the big ones that are most important. As far as a company brand, I think it feeds off of me personally. So if people can, if people in the gym industry see, hey, that's Adam Arnett, all right, what does he do? 
all right, oh, I have a personal training. So, and once again, just because some gyms don't want, they want us wearing their colors. They want us sure. wearing their jerseys, right? Their logos. They don't want the members to see anything different. Whereas some gym owners like, no, what I, I want, I want you guys to have your own brand. I want you to be, I want everybody to know you're separate in my gym, you know, in case crap hits the fan, I guess is what they're worried about. Right. So right. it's hard for us because when we operate in, you know, multiple brands, it's hard for us to, here's the thing about us. That's a challenge. I might just touch on it. If we go on their Facebook, let's just say, you know, I could say anytime fitness is, you know, one of our, co- you know, they have a lot of franchisees that work with us. And if we go on their website or their Facebook and start putting element personal training, the members are like, why am I seeing this? Who are they? What are they doing? What? Instead, we'd like to put anytime fitness personal training and run and put our put our photos up and our personnel and promote our clients and stuff that way and try to use the anytime fitness brand. They spend you know tens of millions on it anyways, making those things and borrow that and put that on their Facebook and use that. So it's hard for me to brand this business just because it's not really a, it's not a standalone business with a brick and mortar. It's like we operate inside gyms. So I just don't see it yet that way, being able to be like, somebody's like, Hey, I need personal training. Hey, it's like Pepsi Cola. Go get a Coke, go get a Pepsi. No, you got to go to element. I don't see that really being a household name. Yeah. Yeah, That is a challenge in terms of your marketplace because you, it's kind of, it reminds me of almost like private label products. You, you you know, you know, you kind of, you don't know you're eating something from XYZ company, but the reality is you are, they just can't say it. So yeah, that is a challenge. And, and, um, it's definitely where it makes your marketing dollars a little bit harder to get that message out and probably teach your, your audience, like how you fit in and what you're doing. So yeah, I can see that. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. As I said, the main branding I'm trying to do to get a brand recognition is in the gym industry among the gym owners, uh, management, that type of stuff. Yep. Do you have any data, by the way, like when you're talking to your gym owners, do you have any data points where you can say like, Hey, the typical gym that tries to do their own personal fitness, 10% of their membership actually utilizes it and only stays at this point. And when you add our outsourced arm to this, we get it up to 35% and the sticky factors. Do you, do you lead with any type of data points like that? Cause I think that could be something that would be helpful too. Yeah. So really the only way we, you know, the most important thing is this. It doesn't matter what the average industry does. It matters what that gym owner's been doing. Yeah. And so we might say, hey, show us your numbers. All right. You're bringing in $10,000 a month, but you're breaking even. So you really not, you don't have a personal training business. Uh, whereas, hey, we can, you know, we believe we can do, let's just say, we, can, we believe that if we're in here, we're going to be able to generate $35,000 of revenue and we'll give you X percent of it uh, or a guaranteed rent. So right away, we just might say, hey, right away, we're going to give you a you know, $4,000 a month rent guaranteed. Well, that's 4,000 more a month than what you're making now without the headache. Right, right. You know, and then here's the upside. If we do, if we hit the numbers we want, here's how much more you're going to get. So there's different ways for us to structure that, but uh, that's really the only way to do it is what are you doing currently? Are you happy with it? If not, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we can offer you. And hey, either we do business or we don't. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the model. I mean, you reduce the risk, you reduce the the headaches of managing, you know, probably a high turnover industry by yep. nature. Plus you give them upside into revenue share. So that, that's got like a lot of cool components to it. I want to finish off. Last thing I have, do you have some type of business tip or a life tip that we can apply uh, today that'll, that'll make our lives better? Yeah, I think it's just kind of like something I've been hitting on lately is, you know, you just need to have ultimate self-awareness. And mm. so it's one thing to be self-aware that, hey, I'm a jerk, or I'm always late for this, or I'm always, bun-, you know, just whatever your shortcoming is, right? 
It's not that difficult to realize that. The biggest challenge is to change it and to stick to that change. So when I say that, I tell people that, hey, I'm a recovering a-hole of a boss. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, you know, think about that one buddy that's like, yeah, I know I drink too much. I'm a party animal. Well, that means every time he, he's going to use that as an excuse as to why every weekend he's still partying like an animal. Hey, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. You know, I'm a party next weekend. Same thing, right? So I think a mistake just for everybody out there. If you make a commitment, if, you, if you're like me, hey, I don't want to be an a-hole of a boss anymore. I'm going to admit it openly to my employees. But then I go off and I use it as a, as a get out of jail free card. Like, every, you know, I'm still being a jerk every other day to them. But I'm, oh, man, I'm sorry. Remember, I'm a you know, jerk of a boss. I'm trying to work on that. But then I go off again and again and again. I'm a repeat offender. Then it's just false. Then it's just, it's just for show, right? So you have to make sure you're self-aware. Find out, you know, even ask publicly. Ask your friends. Ask your coworkers. Ask your workers. What, what's my top three things that you think I need to improve on? You know, give me the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then once that happens, find, make an action plan, stick with it. You've got, and then be held, you know, hold yourself accountable, make changes. It doesn't happen overnight. I didn't go from being an a-hole of a boss to being, you know, super boss overnight. It takes a while to do it, but it's persistence and consistence. And ultimately it's whether you care about changing or not. So, you know, change comes within, from within, but be extremely self-aware, drop the pride, have some humility and make the changes and stay with them. And here we go, Tyler. I do admit it. Every once in a while, I, that, that, old, that old pit bull comes out. It happens. Yep. But now, instead of letting it just go, I do, I'm like, man, three hours later, I'm like, I, okay, I was a little rough on my manager there. Let me call him up. Let me apologize and uh, make, make things right. And sure enough, you call them up and they're like, yeah, you did come down hard on me. I understand. You, you know, you don't really mean it. I'm like, hey, no, I should just, I just want to make sure everything's good. So at least doing that, I think those are a bit, I think that's the life lesson uh, that has made me a good business leader, you know, in the last uh, five, six, seven years for sure. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of wisdom. I love that. Hey, I'll put this in the show notes, but if people want to reach out to you, it's elementpersonaltraining.com, elementpersonaltraining.com. Is there anywhere else that you'd like, uh, if someone wants to reach out or talk with you, where, where should I send anywhere else that comes to mind? Yeah. I think just look at my social media. So you can do uh, Instagram. Uh, it's at Adam Arnett Fitness. So uh, uh, A D A M A R N E T T Fitness. Uh, that's also my LinkedIn. That's personal. Uh, that's my Facebook. And uh, just go there. You're going to see. You know, sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes I put bloopers on there of things I've said. Uh, sometimes I'm inspiring. Sometimes I'm, you know, perspiring. It just depends on what I'm doing at the time, right? So. Uh, <laughs> I've been, I've been doing something lately. It's kind of fun. It's just what I call the after gym walk and talk. So after I'm done working out, I just, you know, do a one minute quick video of, of a topic that's on my mind, raw, pretty much uncut, really no retakes. And I just put it up there and, uh, it's just kind of a, a fun thing I've been doing lately, but yeah, follow me and, uh, reach, you know, you can message me directly through there if you want to reach out and connect or, uh, or have any questions. Be glad to help anybody. That may be the slogan of the year for your business. I'm either inspiring or perspiring. <laughs> hey, there we go. I think that might work. Yeah. Yeah. There you that, go. Th that definitely fits your business. Hey, um, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. You, you have so much knowledge and your business wisdom is great. I love to see, hear about your success uh, in what you're doing. And hopefully someday uh, you'll come back on the show and tell me about the next level that you got to. You got it. Hey, appreciate this opportunity. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. 
If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.